This is Intersection, I'm Matthew Petty. Governor Ron DeSantis's moratorium on evictions and foreclosures expired Wednesday night. The governor's office said it was to avoid confusion over whether the state order or the CDC's nationwide eviction moratorium should apply. So where does that leave renters? Anna Eskamani, an Orlando Democrat who represents Florida's House District 47, has been fielding calls from tenants throughout the pandemic who are seeking help with rent or trying to avoid eviction. Eskamani says sometimes she'll reach for the credit card to help a constituent pay the rent or get them into emergency accommodation, but she says the state of Florida needs to do a better job caring for the precariously housed. I talked with Eskamani about the politics around the housing crisis as the pandemic continues. Well, Anna Eskamani, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. We spoke uh, back in April on Intersection about the eviction moratorium and what that meant at that point for tenants. Um, and since then, that moratorium has been extended month by month. It's been adjusted a little bit. Um, what's your take, Anna Eskamani, on how tenants are faring now as we head into fall? Continues to be a struggle, Matt. Um, I think we need to remember that no payments have actually been canceled. Right. And and of course, we know that these are con- contractual agreements like folks at this point still need to make their payments. And this is putting uh, thousands of Floridians in debt. And many landlords are also working to identify, especially corporate landlords, loopholes within the state order. And since last time we spoke, the CDC put into place their own federal order, which was kind of unprecedented and is now being challenged in court um, in a different state. So there's still uncertainty around how long the CDC protection will last, but it is dated to go from September 4th until December 31st. Now, you've been fairly vocal and active responding to constituents saying, look, we need help, help us out with with tenancy issues, help us out with um, unemployment, which is a, a topic we could talk about on another show. But you know, what are you hearing from from folks in your district and what are you doing to help them? Because I know you've you've also been just trying to give them some practical assistance as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been really tough. Um our nonprofit community is strained in the demands that we're placing on them and of course their ability to to meet every need that all all, all of our Floridians are facing, in particular when it comes to our folks who are precariously housed, and we, we've all read the story about um, the Star, Mot- Star Hotel in Kissimmee, and that's one example of, of many folks who are living in hotels and motels, and they don't have any of these protections either. And I can't tell you how many times we've tried to identify external resources for these families, and we end up having to raise our own money, or I put my credit card down to help pay for a hotel room because there just are no options. And it's so much more expensive and challenging if someone becomes homeless and then get them back into a home that I would rather take every measure we can to buy people more time so they can get that job or get their benefits in time to pay off these these bills. Um, when it comes to folks that are renters with leases, um, the CDC moratorium has definitely been an important step. Not every person qualifies for it, but it's it is pretty broad in the sense of the the process to be protected. You basically complete this declaration and give it to your landlord. Um, and I want to give a, a huge shout out to our civil legal aid organizations who are also stretched thin right now, but they've been on the front line in providing pro bono legal support to to tenants and helping explain the situation to landlords as well. 
because we all have to be in this process together to keep people housed. Right. I mean, there are two sides to the equation, right? Because um, it's in landlords' interest to have paying tenants so that their properties aren't empty. And um, do you feel like that there's there are enough uh, you know landlords that are buying into it and saying yes, we were prepared to to work with tenants who may be financially constrained now, but you know maybe a couple months down the track they'll have the wherewithal to pay the rent. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our mom and pop landlords have been working really hard to to meet these needs. And the county has, in different counties, there are different CARES Act dollar programs, right? So in Orange County, we've had rental assistance, mortgage assistance, and most recently, the eviction diversion program, which does require landlords to volunteer to be a part of it. And unfortunately, we have heard of some landlords refusing. Um, But overwhelmingly, when these opportunities present themselves and there's dialogue, we have seen landlords willing to try to meet some sort of agreement, whether it's partial payment for now or um, uh, deferring payments and, and just trying to meet their tenants in the middle. I think what's really frustrating, though, is that these corporate landlords, they're the ones that have filed the most evictions. And so, and they're also just hard to get in touch with because in most cases, they're not local to us. They're in different states or even parts of the world. And so, um, especially for like our college students that have been trying to break their leases for months because they weren't living in their apartments over the summer. Um, we've had Floridians that they know they can't afford the rent anymore and they're trying to end the lease to go to a cheaper place and landlords won't let them. And then, of course, there's been situations with landlords increasing rent when a lease comes to an end, which they have every legal right to do that. But, of course, it's frustrating for their rent for a year comes to an end. And instead of renewing at the current price, the landlord's trying to increase it. We've also spoken at WMFE. We've talked to some of the folks that you mentioned, community legal services, who've been working to help people out and sort of navigate them through what can sometimes be some pretty confusing language around what their rights are as tenants when they're facing eviction. And, you know, one question we've asked is what kind of legislative change could there be down the track? Because Florida is seen as a fairly landlord-friendly state where things are kind of weighted in favour of the folks who are who, who own the properties rather than, than tenants. I'm wondering if, if you see an opportunity for some legislation that could help kind of balance things out a little bit or, or make things easier for folks or, God forbid, next time we're facing a pandemic and and a sudden economic downturn, people have some more resources to help them out if they're facing eviction or precarious housing situations. I mean, I'm proud to say that in my first two legislative sessions, I have filed bills focused on renters' issues. Um, one in particular would eliminate the, the pay-for-play dynamic. I, I'm I think at this point, most folks have heard that in order to even contest your eviction, you need to pay what you owe into a court account. And many Floridians just can't do that. The executive order from the state and the CDC order um, put a pause on, on that type of motion if you if you follow, follow the protocol outlined in these orders. But over, overwhelmingly, the situation leads to a Floridian being unable to even have a fair day in court because they can't afford it. Um, there's also issues around just renters' rights. Uh, Representative Carlos Smith has filed this bill in the past. I've co-sponsored it to really make sure that 
our contracts for leases can be available in different languages. We know that there's major barriers just based on uh, an inability to to communicate with the landlord or to have materials be translated. And as a result, communities get exploited um, with their leases or they, they pay a uh, you know, a, a contractual fee in the beginning. And then even if they don't move forward with the contract, they don't get paid back the deposit and all these types of situations we've seen. And so there's a lot of work to do in the legislature. And we've always gotten the cold shoulder from my Republican colleagues when we talk about renters' rights. I'm very hopeful going to this next legislative session that our tenants across the state who have experienced just the brunt of this upside down system and how there is not an equal dynamic will be vocal in the process because it's going to take people power to move the needle, not just on this issue, Matt, but also on things like unemployment and safety nets in general, because unfortunately the history of this state is one that really has uh, prioritized corporations and property rights over the needs of everyday people. Do you feel like you've got some folks you can work with then on the other side of the aisle, like um, amongst your Republican colleagues, are you, you know, is there a an ear for this now because we are six months into this pandemic and the recession is not slowing down at this point? Well, I think that for many Republican colleagues who might have ignored these subjects in the past have seen their constituents suffer because of them. You know, in particular, witnessing seniors face an eviction, veterans face an eviction, people with disabilities. I think it's eye-opening for many Republican colleagues that just never thought these issues impacted uh, the communities that they they have focused on in the past and and just kind of wrote it off as, you know, impacting people that are are just not trying hard enough, right? and 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 that entire stigma of of struggling people is one that blinds my Republican colleagues. and I, I and I'm the only hope that I have from this experience is that, more of my Republican colleagues understand that this is this is a systematic issue. These problems could impact any person of any age, any class, any background, any level of wealth. I mean, we know that so many folks who who have been able to make their rent now can't. And so hopefully that will help them become more empathetic and more open to these policy changes. Looking ahead to the other side of this, what kind of issues do you think that yourself and other lawmakers are going to be facing you know whatever happens with the tenants we're talking about right now people who are precariously housed right now and and maybe facing eviction like what kind of challenges do you think uh, you're going to be dealing with as a lawmaker six months down the track is it going to be more of the same are you anticipating a brand new set of challenges to to tackle as well well one thing in central florida we all know is that these problems have always existed. Of course, it's amplified to a horrific degree, but we've had families living in hotels and motels for years because of our minimum wage employment system and our reliance on hospitality and tourism and the revenue Florida gets from sales tax, which maintained this really exploitative structure. And so um, I think that there, there was, there's always been a need for, for a major overhaul of, of just economic equity and upward mobility in our state, especially here in Central Florida. Um, these problems are going to get worse before they get better. And I already sent a letter to the governor you know, asking him to make executive order and priorities around several housing issues, not only 
extending the state order because I'm worried that something could happen to the federal order in court and we need to have a, a backup for Floridians in case this month things do change. But I also request that there needs to be the allocation of funding to help people pay off what they owe so that landlords are made whole again, that tenants don't have uh, debt over their heads, and to also look at allocating funds towards those who precariously house in hotels and motels. And of course, Florida's revenue has been completely devastated by this pandemic. But at the same time, there are revenue sources we're not tapping into, including silent spending where we give away money to corporations. You know, we gave away half a billion in April to the state's uh, top 1% of corporations as a tax refund that they did not need. And, and and those are the examples of dollars that we could spend to not only build more affordable housing, but to to offset the experience that folks have had during this pandemic to get them the dollars they need to have a roof over their head. Of course, the counter argument you'll hear to that is that, um, you know, these are the companies that bring the jobs that people rely on to, you know, pay the bills. So if we take away those tax incentives, then those companies are going to look elsewhere. Does that seem like an argument that can be made at this point in time? No, I don't think so. I mean, first of all, this argument has been made for decades and look at Florida's job market. I mean, we are reliant on these minimum wage jobs for and overpriced experiences that have created uh, uh, an environment where people can't even have a decent place to sleep at night, where families are living in cars, where we're the front line of Washington Post articles because of how disastrous we've allowed this situation to become. Um, And so I think more and more Americans are also beginning to realize that this trickle-down economic uh, rhetoric that has been perpetuated by corporations for decades to protect themselves and their bottom line is just not true. And and the corporate tax refunds I'm talking about, they weren't in a, an incentive in the sense of trying to move headquarters to Florida. I mean, these are tax breaks that companies like Walt Disney World benefit from, and the theme parks are not going anywhere. Um, and of course, we have to remember that uh, uh, despite the tax breaks many of these large companies have benefited from in the past, they're, they're still uh, going to make decisions that benefit their shareholders and their executives over their workers. And we're seeing that right now with major uh, layoffs being announced by Walt Disney Company. And this is in a state where we did reopen to the chagrin of many people. And and yet we can't attract tourists because it, people don't feel safe coming to Florida. And so, you know, I do think that overall we need to deal with the public health crisis. And a part of the public health crisis is making sure people have a home. It is so important to the health and well-being of families, not even during a pandemic, but especially during a pandemic, to have a place to call home. The picture you're painting is pretty dire, Anna, and you know, if you're if you're saying uh, things are going to get worse before they get better, does that make it a little bit tricky to kind of campaign on that and say, look, here's the here's the reality that um, we are not facing anything kind of like looking like a rosy future in the near future, at least it's going to get worse before it gets better. How do you sort of spin that message and and say to people, here's here's how we can kind of get through it? I think it's important for folks to know they're not alone. And my office as a, as a, a district has been very focused on connecting with constituents and being by your side as we navigate this together. We host weekly virtual office hours, um, multiple town halls, 
and are, are really proactive in sharing updates and information because I feel confident that if we are united in how to tackle this pandemic and how to rebuild our economy, then we are going to make it out of this okay. But it, it is going to be hard. I mean, our Disney workers are crushed right now. And and I want all of them to know that you're not alone, that we're going to be here to help make sure you have access to unemployment benefits and that you're supported in finding a new job. And and I've already advocated the governor that we should be investing in job training programs right now. When folks were unemployed, it was the perfect opportunity to uh, learn a new skill or craft. And that's a missed opportunity for our state. And so I think it's, it, it is difficult because my time also has to be focused on constituent services above all else, um, while also making sure folks are ready to vote and they can vote safely this year. But uh, when you're open, transparent, you work together, there's a whole lot of hope there. And I know that's what keeps me going. And I feel like it's what inspires a lot of Floridians to be voting for the first time this year because they realize just how connected local government is to their everyday lives. Just want to encourage folks to, you know, stay connected to your your, your local elected officials. Um, at this point, we really need to take a lot of state-based action because Congress hasn't passed on the relief package. And so continue to be your own advocate and always let us know how we can help. Honor Eskamani, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Democratic State Representative Honor Eskamani represents House District 47 in Orlando. Still to come, the governor's executive order moving to phase three of COVID-19 recovery sent local governments scrambling to figure out mask orders and other pandemic mitigation with state regulations relaxing. Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings joins Intersection to discuss the county's plan and what he says is the need for better communication between the governor's office and local leaders. He also talks about the impact of layoffs at Walt Disney World. We're back in a minute. This is Intersection, I'm Matthew Petty. Florida's now in phase three of recovery from COVID-19, with bars, restaurants and businesses allowed to reopen. The governor's announcement last week, though, sent local authorities scrambling as they figured out how to interpret the order and keep mask ordinances in place while coronavirus cases continue, even as the state relaxes rules around the pandemic. Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings says communication between the governor and local authorities needs to improve. He joins the program to talk about the county's approach and the impact of the ongoing recession, including thousands of layoffs at Disney. Well, Mayor Demings, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, I'm glad to be on the show this morning, and I hope you've been well. You as well. Now, you were caught a little bit off guard, I think it's fair to say, by the governor's executive order last week to reopen bars, restaurants and other businesses. Um, What has been the effect of the order so far, as far as you're concerned? Well, yes, I was caught off guard a bit by it because uh, typically the governor uh, tries to communicate uh, throughout the state with the local governments to make sure that everyone is on one accord. The result of uh, the uh, notification that the governor made and the lack of communication uh, has meant confusion to the entire state of Florida because uh, there were uh, questions uh, and no answers for a considerable period of time, which really uh, we all needed in order to make certain that the businesses and our residents understood exactly what the order meant itself. And so unfortunately that didn't happen because as soon as the order came out, it was uh, effective immediately. And that caused businesses to wonder uh, what did the order mean in terms of interpreting it. It was a little over two uh, pages long 
And so it didn't have enough specificity in order to provide the clarity that people needed in order to govern their businesses, govern their lives, and to govern uh, uh, locally as uh, divisions of the state. Now, earlier in the pandemic, it seemed like you'd forged something of a rapport with Governor DeSantis and his administration. I mean, there was that barbershop summit you held where you talked with the governor about allowing salons and barbershops to reopen. What's happened to that line of communication? Have things just fallen apart since then? Uh, I I really don't know what's happening, to be quite honest about it. Uh, I uh, hate when uh, politics get involved in uh, making decisions in terms of the public safety, the public health of our nation. We have to put the people first over politics, and I suspect that in some ways uh, there were politics involved in uh, the decision uh, and the lack of communication here. Uh, But we were not alone. Uh, There were many uh, local governments uh, that found themselves in the same situation. I can tell you that in central Florida, uh, none of the local counties within central Florida uh, had been given the heads up because uh, probably an hour before uh, the order was signed on uh, this past Friday, I had a joint conference call with the other leadership of the surrounding counties, which I do on a weekly basis. And on that call, because the governor had done a press conference early in the day and uh, gave overtures that a change was coming, uh, none of them uh, had any information about it. And in fact, you know, since then, uh, we've been put in the untenable position where uh, our local residents have been asking questions, and we didn't have the answers because they were asking us to interpret uh, the governor's phase three plan. What did it mean? What does it say? Well, that's really not uh, our role. Uh, That's the role of uh, the the governor's office to make certain that uh, any communications or plans that they have, they have to be uh, clearly uh, understood by um, Florida residents, and that didn't happen in this case. So it wasn't the finest moment, to be quite frank about it, uh, for collaboration across the state of Florida. So my expectation is that has to get better. You know, we are partners. We uh, work together to make sure that Florida residents uh, have all the information and that they are indeed safe during this pandemic. And I'm going to continue to do that regardless of uh, the politics behind it. And that's my expectation of others who serve in these public uh, elected roles as well. Now, you had the task force, which was going and sort of checking up on businesses to make sure that, uh, you know, rules and regulations were being followed as far as social distancing, masking orders and the like. Um, was it useful also having the ability to, to penalise folks who weren't following the, the, the mask or social distancing orders? Because it did seem during the course of the pandemic that you were a bit reluctant to say, yes, we're going to be imposing fines and fees, kind of more relying on people's uh, you know, good faith and following the instructions to, to do the right thing. Like, is that still the philosophy or was it useful having that up your sleeve as well? It was very useful to us. Listen, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Orlando. I believe in this community. I believe in the people in it. Uh, I've been in leadership roles in this community for a long time. And I have seen our community when we come together Uh, We uh, grow strength from doing so, and we've overcome uh, many different obstacles over the years. And so I did not want to have something that could be perceived as punitive uh, for the residents, at least of Orange County. 
And so we appeal to people wanting to do the right thing to protect themselves, their families, and others. And so that appeal really worked. And so what I did was uh, put a mandatory facial covering order in place, and largely uh, the people complied with it. Uh, We did so to ensure that people had direction. Uh, We sent the compliance teams out to be proactive and not reactive, but to help our businesses to thrive by providing them with information about what best practices in terms of the CDC guidelines. Uh, We wanted them to uh, provide personal protective equipment to businesses if they needed it. We provided hand sanitizer, and we provided collateral materials uh, that would uh, businesses could use should they uh, want to post signage and uh, put up uh, messages about uh, social distancing, et cetera. We provided that information in multiple languages. And so that was an attempt to make sure that if we say this is what we want you to do, we wanted you to be successful in that process. And so uh, now perhaps um, um, it's more important than ever that we continue to uh, approach this from a positive perspective and not a negative perspective. And I'm going to continue to have my uh, compliance teams go out and make certain that the public has the information that they need, uh, that the business owners have the information they need so that we can all have success. Uh, In terms of the phase three reopening plan, uh, that the governor's uh, team developed, uh, it really is uh, almost irrelevant at this point because uh, of consumer confidence and the lack thereof. Many of our uh, citizens uh, just aren't uh, confident or, um, uh, you know, an agreement that uh, the time is now to just totally reopen things. So uh, in order for them to feel comfortable going back into businesses, uh, they have to feel that that business is clean, that it is safe, and that uh, the virus won't be spread uh, when they're there. So our consumers expect to see employees wearing masks. They want other people wearing masks, and they expect to see all of these sanitary protocols in place. And we know that because we did a consumer confidence survey in in Orange County, and that's what the consumer said to us. Mm -hmm. So what I say to businesses who want to be successful uh, in terms of even if you have increased capacity, uh, which is what Phase 3 does, it doesn't guarantee that uh, people are going to come, okay, because the demand hasn't caught up with the space at this point. So uh, we saw that just yesterday with Walt Disney announcing uh, you know, individuals who are part-time and full-time employees who are going to be uh, permanently furloughed from, from Disney. Disney has, uh, it's not a capacity issue. Saying to them, you can now go from 50% capacity to 100% is irrelevant because they don't have the demand. And uh, they if the demand isn't there, you don't really need additional capacity. So what business owners are faced with, they have to now, manage expectations uh they have to manage uh in order to you know if if they uh if they had demand uh they need to hire employees in some cases so uh to say that something uh can take effect immediately no it takes time to ramp up and uh, typically when you see these types of uh widespread uh, uh orders uh, you know you give people time to make adjustments 
And when you put language in that says that it's effective immediately, it doesn't give anybody time to adjust. And so I know that we could do better than that uh, as a state of Florida, and that's my expectation as a a lifelong resident of Florida, regardless of who's uh, in the governor's office. I work with all of them have worked with governors regardless of their politics over the many years that I have served in public service. Mm-hmm. Now, the the county, other you know local municipalities, not just in Orange County, of course, but across the state of Florida have been sort of working to do what they can to help people who have been furloughed, you know, not just from Disney and, and other um, entertainment industry jobs, but, you know, the many, many layoffs that have happened and furloughs that have happened across the state of Florida what can the county do at this point? I mean, do you have a strategy to, to help those soon-to-be jobless residents, and is there some more emergency funding you can dip into to help them out? Well, Orange County has led the way, really, in terms of uh, small business crisis assistance and individual and family crisis assistance. Before we ever received $1 from the federal government and CARES Act funding, we were the first to roll out a program where we could provide um, assistance to families. Uh, $1,000 was what we typically were giving, uh, and we used uh, county uh, general funds. Uh, about $1.8 million was set aside before we ever received CARES Act dollars uh, to assist up to 1,500 families or so. And that program was rolled out uh, early on, one of the first in the state to do that, if not the first. But since we received the $243-plus million in CARES Act funding, we have allocated dollars uh, to assist our families. Uh, we have allocated uh, money to assist our small businesses. We have a $10,000 grant program. To date, uh, we have uh, allocated about uh, over $59 million of uh, uh, $65 million that was set aside specifically for small businesses with the $10,000 grants. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, set aside some dollars to assist sole proprietorships and home-based businesses where they could get up to $3,000. And uh, that program uh, is is still underway at this point. Uh, And there were numerous other programs. We uh, announced just this past Monday a partnership with uh, CareerSource here uh, to assist with a retraining effort so that some of these furloughed uh, permanently laid off employees can be retrained to do jobs that in some ways might pay them more than what they were making in the service industries. And that program was rolled out. And then we rolled out a program to assist nonprofits. Uh, and that program is being facilitated through the heart of Florida United Way, where uh, nonprofits who have been adversely impacted by the pandemic uh, can get up to $5,000. Uh, and so uh, all of this information is on our website at ocfl.net uh, slash cares, and, uh, you, and you can even go to the Heart of Florida United Way website if you're a nonprofit to get information on that. So we're going to continue to look for ways and leverage the dollars that we do have. Uh, we are looking forward to the federal government perhaps uh, introducing a second stimulus um, round of funding and um, you know you know of course congress is debating that heavily now i want to just ask one final question if i could uh mayor demings i wonder if you watched the debate and if you did what did you make of the president's response to questions about urging his supporters to stay calm and not engage in civil unrest and particularly i'm wondering if you are worried about keeping the peace in orange county in the aftermath of the election 
again, I believe in Orange County. Uh, we have not seen the, the violent protests or demonstrations that other communities around the country have seen. Uh, I do believe that we have had a fairly positive relationship between the police and the citizens that we served. Of course, there have always been some challenges there. We do have to deal with systemic racism-related issues. I'm committed to dealing with those issues, but we certainly have to have a good law enforcement in our community in order to have the kind of quality of life that uh, we need to have in this community. So I support uh, adequately funding the police, but that does not mean that uh, I will not also look at proactive ways to uh, put money uh, on the front end and deal with some of the social injustices and the social challenges that we have. Uh, I expect uh, all people in leadership roles, whether that's from uh, the White House down to uh, our house, I expect uh, people to uh, have the kind of commentary that bridges gaps and unites us rather than divide us. And so that's my expectation. And quite frankly, I've been disappointed sometimes with some of our leaders whose uh, rhetoric has been divisive and uh, not necessarily pointing the finger at anyone at this time, but uh, we see uh, the rhetoric that divides us and uh, shame on America when that happens. We have to pull together, and I believe that the strength of our nation rests within the diversity of our nation, and we should be embracing that diversity that has made, um, that has made America great over time. And we want to keep it that way. I want to keep uh, Florida. I want to keep Central Florida, the, the great place that it is. And so uh, my vision is to build that experimental prototype community of tomorrow that Walt Disney envisioned where there's this convergence of innovation, collaboration, culture, uh, and uh, uh, clean energy and, and all of those things that come together to make a community uh, vibrant and the best that it possibly can be in a modern-day world. Mayor Jerry Dennings, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you for the interview this morning. Uh, we hope you stay safe and healthy as well. Still to come, we head to Lake County, where local leaders are trying to get more businesses to sign up for grant money to get them through the pandemic. Intersections back in a minute. This is Intersection, I'm Matthew Petty. In Lake County, leaders want more businesses to apply for grant money to help get them through the pandemic. County Commission Chair Leslie Campione says businesses so far have claimed just $6 million out of $16 million available in grants. The county's extended the deadline to apply for the grants until next week. Campione joined the show to talk about the challenges facing business owners and how the county is trying to help. Leslie Campione, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you today. Tell me a little bit about what the county is doing in terms of dispersing some of this CARES Act funding to businesses. Counties, of course, around the state of Florida have been working to help out businesses with this federal funding, you know, um, throughout the pandemic. What have you done in Lake County and, and what's the latest kind of iteration of how you're trying to use the funding to help out local businesses? Okay, well, we have been in the process of um, trying to get the money uh, dispersed to our businesses in Lake County, initially we worked um, directly with the businesses 
that had been forced to close down, so they were considered the non-essential businesses per the definition of the state. Uh, Obviously, we never considered them to be non-essential by any stretch, but that's the category they fit into. And so we made it a priority to make our first round, our first round of um, CARES Act money for businesses um, available for those that had been forced to shut down. We have since um, opened it up so that it would be all businesses that were negatively impacted um, over the last several months. And it is a program whereby it's a grant. It's not a loan. Uh, There really aren't any strings attached. There's no repayment. Um, And we've got it set at various levels, um, depending on the size of the business, how many employees they have. For example, a sole proprietor um, would be a a $4,000 grant, whereas uh, over two employees would be a $10,000, and it goes all the way up to $30,000. Um, depending on the number of employees. And it's a pretty easy process to get through. You know, Mm -hmm. just a couple forms you fill out. You go to the portal, um, reopenlake.com, hashtag CARES, and we'll get you right there. How much do you have to disperse in this this next round of funding that you're working on now? So our initial... our initial round is $16 million, and I think we've dispersed about $6 million. So we're really trying to aggressively get this out. And... Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're, you're doing this show today because um, we just need businesses to know that this is out there, it's available, and the whole purpose is to help them, um, you know, get through this storm right now. And we know that a lot of, a lot of uh, people in our county, a lot of business owners have either borrowed from their savings, borrowed from family members, they've done whatever they needed to do in order to pay their bills, and if possible, to keep their employees employed. Um, so this is kind of after the fact. Let's help them, you know, take care of some of the losses that they've ex- they've uh, incurred. We think we will probably. I don't want to commit to it, but there's a good chance those dollar amounts may actually get doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, so the key is to get in, get your application in, and then if we're able to increase the award, you will just get a check automatically. You won't have to do anything else. And if you've already received a check you've already gone through the first round, you will you will get an additional check um, because we, we increased the awards already from when we started. You've got about $10 million in the kitty that you're, you're looking to divvy up amongst businesses in Lake County. Um, I mean, do you have a sense of why that maybe it hasn't, there hasn't been as much of an uptake of this so far? Or is it just that, you know, businesses have been, I don't know, trying to figure out things on their own? Or what, what's your sense of what's going on there? So I have a couple theories. I think one is that everybody's so immersed in just trying to survive and keep their businesses going that, uh, you know, it's just not something they have time to deal with. I think the second thing is that a lot of businesses uh, went out and applied for the um, PPP loans, and it was a very time-consuming process. Um, There was a lot of uh, hoops you had to jump through, and they're probably assuming that this will be as difficult, and it, it just isn't. And then I think a lot of them think it's a loan. They don't realize that it's applicable to any business that suffered a loss um, during this uh, pandemic. So um, I think those are the key things. Um, And then there might be the fourth thing, just that they're not accustomed to asking the government for for money, for, you know, it's just not in their DNA. So you've got to, you know, kind of get through to people to say, look, it's okay. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this. 
is to try to get this in the hands of the business owners um, so that they can um, take care of their employees, they can pay their bills, they can keep, they can ride the storm out. Um, and I don't, I don't want to um, ignore the fact that we have another component, which is our housing assistance and our rental and mortgage assistance, and we're expanding that as well. So, you know, we've got direct assistance going to residents that have suffered hardships, and that will be expanded over the next couple of weeks. Um, but this is specifically focused on businesses. In some central Florida counties, the tourism industry has been especially hard hit, like Orange and Osceola County, of course, being uh, places where there have just been mass layoffs and all the attendant industries that go along with the theme park industry, like the hotel uh, restaurants, et cetera, have really taken a hit. What about Lake County? Like, are you seeing some industries that are particularly um, under the pump at the moment because of the coronavirus pandemic? Well, I think, you know, initially the, we were looking at the, the um, quote, non-essential businesses that literally had to be shut down. But as far as the, the larger industries that had multiple employees or that have a big, big impact on the local economy, um we have a couple of resorts that have been hit hard. Um, yeah, the short-term rental business, um, vacation rentals, um, hotel, like banquet facilities, really, really wiped out. Um, so we do have a second round of CARES Act money that we're working on and that we actually discussed at our meeting on Tuesday. And we're looking to create a couple new categories that would address some of those particular um, sort of tourism-related industries, banquet and, uh, you know, resort industries, things like that. So we're going to be working on that over the coming weeks, and we're going to try to do some outreach directly to those businesses. Have you had the chance to speak to some of the businesses or the business owners who have actually taken advantage of the CARES Act funding? And, and if so, what, what are they telling you? Like, how are they using that money? Well, I know um, I've spoken to a lot of businesses that have received their checks and they've been thrilled, um, received some thank you notes and emails and um, social media posts. So the, the ones that, that uh, you know, got online and, and applied early um, and have already received their checks, um, they're thrilled. They're using it to pay, um, you know, bills that accumulated. Um, to be able to um, take care of their employees. Um, maybe they had to furlough employees. Maybe they just were, you know, trying to piece together how to keep their business going over the last couple of months, and this just helped them pay off some bills. So um, depending on the size of the business, you know, there's kind of a variety of uses, um, but it's really to offset the losses and then to help them just keep going. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Leslie Campione, that if you look at the economy of Lake County overall, is this pandemic and the recession associated with it, are you going to see kind of like a reforming of the economy in Lake County where maybe some businesses might sort of flourish and others might be, I don't know, reassessed or scaled down in the future? I mean, with the the Phase 3, you know, program going into place, I mean, I, I think that a lot of the traditional businesses, the restaurants, the bars and things like that, Um, they'll be back at it. I mean, they may have some different ways they approach things. Maybe they will actually look at creating permanent outside seating or ways to to accommodate more outdoor seating so that if we have to back off and, you know, go back down to a a phase two or a phase one type thing, that they would be able to to keep their capacity um, up. So I could see that happening. I'm not sure, like, on the tourism side, how much they really would would look to to change versus 
um, just trying to get through the next, you know, three to six months. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then hopefully, you know, go back to business as usual. I mean, because we're hoping that we either have a vaccine or, you know, the therapeutics are out there, um, you know, and that we just get to a point where this will be a thing in the past um, from the standpoint of it being so large scale. So say I'm a business and I'm looking at, at getting my hands on some of this CARES Act funding to help me get through the next few months or something. I mean, do I would I need to uh, provide some evidence of, a, what impact the pandemic has had on my business, and then B, how am I going to spend that money if I get it? Well, it's it's actually a pretty pretty simple process. Um, you're you're going to just have to verify and certify that you suffered suffered some losses, um, and explain, um, you know, was it just a loss of um, of revenue? Were you forced to shut down? Did you did you just have less um, um, clients or customers? Um, just some description um, explaining, you know, how, how you were impacted. And um, it's not nearly as involved as the PPP uh, loans. Um, a lot of businesses um, have experience with that. And I think that scared them off from applying for the county grant because they thought they were going to have to give as much information and go into as much detail. And they probably thought that it was a loan mm-hmm. um, and not a direct uh, payment. And in this case, it's a direct payment. Once you get it, it's yours. You can use to offset your losses or to help you get your, you know, back on your feet again. And then the deadline for it is October 5th, right? Yes, we just extended that. Um, It was last Monday or this past Monday, and uh, it's now been extended to October 5th at 5 p.m., and it's, you know, you just go to the county website, thereopenlake.com, hashtag CARES, and you can get into the portal for businesses. And uh, there's a helpline if you, you know, run into any uh, difficulties. You can just call and uh, have them help walk you walk you through it. Um, so it's, it's it's very straightforward. I think that you know we've had the most success over the last couple of weeks. I think by word of mouth, um, people just talking to other people, businesses recognizing that they can qualify. Right. Um, that you know it's not that hard to be able to qualify. Um, if you suffered a reduction in your revenue stream. If you get to 5 p.m. Monday and there's still some money left over, what's going to happen to that? Do you just put it towards something else? The plan is to probably increase the awards. So, you know, if it's a $4,000 award for a sole proprietor, we may go up a couple thousand dollars for that. Mm -hmm. We may ultimately double the amount. I can't guarantee that, but that's a possibility. And for anyone that already applied and received the lower uh, level funding that we re- that we um, issued initially, they're starting to get um, uh, additional checks now. So if you're in the pipeline, you've already been applied, you don't have to do anything else. If there are additional funds available, that will automatically go out to the people um, that are already in, in the process. Um, and then we're planning to then go into the next phase, which is the additional $48 million that we have um, a variety of um, – Um, purposes um, that that money will go through, including direct assistance for housing and um, for hardships. And then we will be adding on to the business relief plan. So these amounts could go up significantly. And that's why it's so critical that people get in um, now. Get your application in. Um, It's worth, I'm told it's about a half an hour to fill it out, if that. Um, 
and it'll be worth it because it may actually be more than the amounts that we're showing right now. I wonder if I could ask you a couple of questions then about the uh, the personal assistance for rent or uh, you know whatever else that people may need. For example, you know, Orange and Osceola County programs that those counties set up to help people pay rent, they just had massive interest in those to the point where I don't think they're able to sort of fulfill all the requests. What kind of demand are you seeing in Lake County for people who need help paying rent or mortgage assistance or whatever it may be throughout this pandemic? Well, we actually um, depleted our funds that we initially um, provided. Uh, we had around two and a half, three million dollars um, we were giving out $3,000 grants. Those were paid directly either to the lender or, or to the landlord. And you had to meet certain, certain uh, income levels. So um, we did have about probably um, 400 applicants that did not get funding, even though they would have qualified. So we're going to be replenishing that fund and issuing um, assistance to those individuals. And then we... Um, authorized on Tuesday to expand that assistance so that there will no longer be those income levels on, on a second round. And, um, and there, there will be um, several categories that you could get assistance for. Um, but it could be that you lost your job, that you had a reduction in hours, that you had an illness, a COVID-related illness, or, or, or a situation in your family um, that requires you not to work because you had to take care of other people. And we have a list of things. And so that, that will be available um, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. And information about that will be on the county website as well? Uh, that will be on the county website. So if you um, believe that you know this is something that could help you, I urge people to go ahead and go and log in and uh, get your name in the pipeline. And that way, um, when additional information comes out, you'll get notifi- notified. Um, so I think it's important to go ahead and try to um, you know, start the application process, although we're waiting um, to actually put the funding back in there and then issue those checks. Well, Leslie Campione is the chair of the Lake County Board of County Commissioners. Leslie, thank you so much for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you helping us get this information out to our residents and our businesses. And we wish everyone um, the best as we all kind of navigate this and weather this together. Support for Intersection comes from Advent Health and from our listeners. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're at wmfe.org slash intersection. Thanks to everyone who helped us out during our successful flash drive. If you'd still like to help WMFE, you can just go to our website, wmfe.org, to find more. I'm Matthew Petty. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Petty. Thanks for listening.